Hello everyone, it's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and it is time for episode 324 of the MTG Goldfish podcast, and we have the full crew here this week, kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going this fine Monday, Richard? Hey Seth, we survived another preview season. Uh, so things are going well. I'm just trying to catch up on all of the cards from the past two weeks. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm still reading through some of the MDFCs. I'm almost there, almost to the end of the set. A uh, lot, of, lot of words on this one, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Before we get into all that, we got a, another co-host in Krim. Uh, Krim, how are you uh, this morning? Uh I, I am, I am, uh, it is, it is a, a fun morning. I, I'm on two hours sleep, so let's, uh, let's go. We're, we're excited. I, I'm, I'm excited for some, uh, two hour of sleep crim hot takes this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Yes, there will be some of that. So our, uh, our podcast today, we had a few different topics. We had some, uh, interesting, I don't know, MPL rivals slash tournament stuff over the weekend that we wanted to talk about. We have some secret layer news about a membership or subscription program that Wizards is thinking about. We wanted to share some thoughts on that. And then we still got spoiler stuff. We had Commander 2021 spoilers last week. So at the end of the cast, we're going to talk about some more spoiler cards, some of our favorite cards from C21. And then, of course, get to a couple of fish mail questions. So that is the plan for today's cast. But before we get to that a reminder that today's show is brought to you by card conduit and if you've ever tried to sell your magic cards it's a lot of work a lot of sorting a lot of shipping a lot of typing and it's not really all that fun well card conduit they're the easiest way to sell your cards and if you'd like to avoid all those hassles all the time it takes to sell your cards this new service from the folks over at card hoarder will sort grade and sell your magic cards for you and once your shipment is processed you'll get Get the proceeds minus their fee and right now you can even get a 10% discount by heading over to cardconduit.com slash goldfish so thank you to card conduit for supporting the show today and uh let's talk some magic so yesterday or this weekend i guess was our latest mpl slash rivals league weekend i believe it's called and uh it brought with it some changes to the league. Richard, uh, what went down with the tournaments this weekend? Uh, I don't know, Seth. Something went down with the tournaments. <laughs> What's going on with Pro Magic? But uh, I'll tell you what happened uh, on Twitter. Uh, they sent out a series of tweets which basically read like obituaries where they were <laughs> announcing the players that uh, basically got demoted or swapped down into rivals and then from rivals out of the league altogether. Uh, so there was that series of weird tweets. But then in that chain, uh, they also made another mistake where they mistook one female competitor for another, referencing uh, things that the competitor did not even do. Uh, and so that blew up on Reddit as well. And then that kind of just sparked the whole conversation of like, what is MPL and like, what is going on? And like, who is in charge of Wizards social media? And what is Magic Esports? And... Yeah, like I don't even know that anyone even watched the matches, but this came out of all of it. Yeah, not not many people did. Uh, I I jumped in and out a little bit over the weekend, and I think they're running at about like seven k or something, which uh, 
slightly better than a random uh, Magic streamer, individual streamer, but definitely not good as far as esports goes. Uh, the drama was, it was interesting. Uh, on one hand, I think the re- uh, re- uh, regulation thing is necessary. It's just like soccer. Like, we need people to drop out of these leagues so new people have a chance to get into the leagues. So I don't think that structure itself is bad. I think it is a little bit scary if you're a competitor because once you're out of rivals, there's not much. Like, that's one of the flaws with the system we've been talking about since they started MPL Rivals. Like, you're either one of the haves who's in MPL Rivals or you're the have-nots of challengers. And if you're a challenger, there's really not much going for you. And the odds of getting back into rivals or back into the MPL are really, really small the way the system is set up. Uh, so I think that is that is a concern. I wish there was something more for players who do drop out of rivals because going from like, this is my full-time job that I do every day and I have this guaranteed income from playing Magic to essentially having nothing, that is pretty scary. Uh, on the other hand, Wizards is really good at messing stuff up. Uh, I am not, <laughs> I know what they were trying to do with the tweets. Like, I think that they were supposed to be like, congratulating or honoring these people for being in the MPL and being professional magic players. The timing wasn't great. It came out at the same time when a lot of people were like feeling bad about getting uh, regulated out of the league, which I keep feel like I keep saying that right, but or keep saying that incorrectly. (laughs) Relegation, uh, not regulation. Regulation, regulation, relegation, (laughs) close close enough. Uh, uh, Bear bear with me. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, so the timing was pretty bad and getting the information wrong was pretty bad. And then I don't know if you saw further down on the tweet chain. Wizards actually responded and was like, hey, this wasn't actually us. We had like outside contractors who were like making these tweets and they're the ones who messed it up. And I don't know. It was just an absolute, absolute mess. And on top of that, no one knows what's going on with this system. Like, I think part of the reason people dropping out of the league was such a big deal was like no one understands MPL. So when all of a sudden you see your favorite player tweeting like, oh, like my magic career is is essentially done, like paraphrasing. Like that would be a shock to a lot of people because no one understands the structure that they're that's going on with MPL and rivals. So what a just a mess all around. And we came out of this big tournament weekend where in theory, people should be feeling good. Like there are people that also performed really well and like guaranteed they're going to worlds and stuff. But it ended up just being this like huge feel bad that Wizards made worse by Wizardsing it up on social media like they usually do. That, that was that was a huge huge mess uh when it comes to like the way they revealed stuff but yeah like wow that that was uh that quite the quite the tweet chain i i i read the the like whatever the announcements of the players a little bit like a <laughs> i think they were trying to build you know that drama that tension that we kind of wanted from like what is esports right like the oh well we wanted to follow these players we wanted the stakes so much like you had mentioned i do think that the the like the things that happened like the okay now now you're messing with me is it relegation <laughs> yeah it's relegation <laughs> Re- regulation regulation uh, no no wait hold on it is relegation <laughs> yes, you're, you're, you're correct were, <laughs> you were feeding me the wrong info <laughs> uh but like yeah like with, with the relegations i think that 
kind of had to happen. It's very much so necessary, uh, much like you had mentioned. But I, I think that's what they were trying to do. How they went about it was a huge mess. Uh, but but yeah, like the relegations <laughs> are. <laughs> Podcast going sideways real quick. <laughs> yeah, 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 so yep. about magic regulations. What was I going um, to say? Yeah. <laughs> the rules and regulations of magic. Uh, but but yeah, that that the the relegations and all that kind of made sense for me uh, and why they had to happen. It sucks to type out and it sucks to see. Uh, like, but I, but I think like a, as a, a spectator, for me that was. I, I, I watched a little bit more, right? Because I knew some people were on the bubble, I guess. So I wanted to see how they did. Um, and that that was what made made me watch. And I kind of like that from, you know, Magic as an eSport. So, but the thing I didn't like was a lot of, like, the random confusion of stuff. And once again, the entire debacle that was the whole social media post. And, like, how how how, how do you get back in? There's just, like, no info. And, uh, yeah, so like that, that's just the biggest thing with it right now. I think just how do you, how do I get back in? How, if I want to get in, how do I start? Like, is, is there a certain amount of like planeswalker points? Wait, those don't exist anymore. Uh, what are they? Mythic points? I like, yeah, points, uh, that, that like, how do I get back in? That's the big question. So I think there's just so much wrong to unpack here. Uh, like after the Super Bowl, you don't send out a tweet. Saying farewell, Kansas City Chiefs. You know, you tried hard and I'll see you next year. Like, no, you talk about the winning team, the people that get promoted, right? So, and then on top yeah. of that, like, the, like, I, I swear they're just trolling, right? Like, they're using words you would use in an obituary, right? You, you're saying like farewell, goodbye. Like, you're saying like these weird words that you wouldn't use normally. So it really felt like you're just reading like random obituaries, which was super awkward. And then Seth mentioned the 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 mistaken players, right? Where they were referring to Allie and they're talking about Ember Cleave and things like that. And uh she does not like Ember Cleaves. And then they double downed on it saying they looked over the tweet history and it was correct. And you know, it it just like became a big mess. Right? They like double and triple down. Like they could have just been like, oh uh, very, very sorry to competitors. We like made a mistake, right? But back to the league topic, right? I think after doing MPL for what is it? One year, two years now? I think it's a big failure, right? Like when we started this, it sounded good on paper where we're like, okay, we're going to pay people money to play magic. This is great. You can make a career out of, you know, playing magic competitively with some stable income. Sounds great on paper. In reality, I think it just makes Magic look terrible, right? You're like, okay, who are the greatest player, Magic players of all time still playing? Like LSV, Paulo, uh, where are they? Are they in Rivals? Are they even in the league? Are they in MPL? The fact that you have like Raphael Levy, Hall of Fame, out of MPL is bad, right? Like you can't have like your best players of all time in the B League or not even in the B League, like just out of the league altogether, right? It just looks bad for Magic. So I think they need to scrap it and go back to the old system where all of your favorite pros are in the same tier. So it doesn't look awkward when LSV gets relegated and you're like, what? I thought he was good, right? Because Magic is a coin flip game and you have like a 53% chance of winning, this stuff happens. So the bar needs to be low enough such that your star players are always in the Premier League. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, even the old system, I think, was better in that regard because uh, then you could just, like, follow whoever. And even if LSV isn't in the league or whatever, but he's playing a pro tour, you can just, like, he's there and you can follow him and, like, in, in coverage or whatever. So I feel like the MPL has been basically a failure in almost every possible way. Like, Twitch views are down. Players, there are... Upsides, I guess, instability for a small number of players like your earnings are not exclusively based on your tournament performances. So I guess it takes away some level of stress where it's like, oh, if I go on a bad run for a few months, can I pay my rent doing this? But at the same time, as we've seen this weekend with people dropping out of the league, there's no there's no safety net. It's either you're in this or you're nothing, uh, essentially. So uh, it's not even necessarily better for players. And it's certainly not better as for or all the players that don't have access to it. The the Sam Blacks of the world who, you know, almost were invited to the MPL to begin with, but no one knew the criteria or that it was even happening. So no one knew you need to do good this one specific season. And then you have these people that have just been left out completely. So it's kind of a failure for viewers. It seems like it's a failure for Wizards. It doesn't even seem like it's been a success for the pros. Why are they even holding on to this system when everyone wants, you know, to go back to something like the other system or at least have this system adapted in a way that would be more beneficial or more positive? Is it just that, I mean, as much as I hate to say it, does Wizards just not care? Are are they just like all aboard the casual train and they're like we don't care like 2,000 people can watch our pro tours on Twitch and everyone can hate everything about this and whatever like we're getting the money from our commander precons at Walmart or whatever I I think they just flat out don't know they gotta know viewership is down right like people don't watch MPL like that that is something you're like what when is the MPL schedule no idea who's in the MPL no idea <laughs> right like and it's like we are so entrenched Right. Imagine like the casual person. They don't know anything about this. Right. So like Wizards has to know on some level and they're committed at some level. Right. They are paying the salaries of all these players. Right. That is money they're expending into this. So I agree with Krim that it's like they don't know how to fix it or they don't know like how to make it better or something. Right. But they got to know it's like not working and they got to know they're trying. Right. They're putting money into it. At least they're putting resources into it. But it's just not working out at all right yeah like i i think that after this is year two yeah so after after the first year okay well let's see how it unfolds now we've kind of seen it two years you know like and in and then it just doesn't it it hasn't done what it was intended to do right i mean especially when you think about where it started the the mythic invitational being there uh great views in numbers right Uh, like regardless you know like like uh, I, I think that that was, I would consider that a, some, uh, like the ES success. And then since then, it's just gradually just fallen down in numbers and views and it hasn't even gotten close to climbing back up. So at this point now, Wizards does need to fix this and fix it fast or they are literally just sinking like money and nobody is really benefiting from it. Wait, what's the relationship between MPL and like Caldime Championship? Like, if you do well at MPL, you're seated into it, or how does... Every... I, every, everyone from, okay. So my understanding is, uh, that like Keldime Championship is essentially a pro tour replacement. Everyone from MPL and Rivals gets invited, but 
your benefit is earning these like league points. And that's what we saw with the relegations is the lowest people in terms of points for the whole season get knocked out of the league. If you're in rivals and you're at the top of rivals, you get bumped up to MPL. The worst of MPL goes down to rivals. So essentially that's the system that they're trying to do. And I don't even think they're doing that well. I always kind of thought the relegation idea was interesting because that's how they do it with, uh, soccer uh, for the most part over in Europe. And I always thought that that adds a lot of tension, even for the the worst teams in the league, because you're playing for something in American sports. If you're the Buffalo Bills and you lose your first five games, like no one cares the rest of the year because whatever, like you're you're going to be bad. You're not going to make the playoffs. But if you're bad in a European soccer league, you still have a reason to play because you want to be good enough to not get relegated out of the league. But I don't even understand how Wizards is doing this because the, the season isn't even done. Like they booted some people out of rivals in MPL yesterday, but the season's still going for several more events. And they also knocked out the top performing people. Strosky went on a huge heater and won 11 matches in a row this weekend or something. And because he did so well, he's now also out of the league for the rest of the season, but guaranteed to be back in it next season. So you don't even have like the the rooting for the, the Patriots to go undefeated or something. So if you do really good, they make you stop playing magic. If you do really bad, they boot you out of the league and they're not even doing it at the end of the season. They're doing it partway through the season, which is very different than like soccer or something. So I the structure, the more I learn about what they're trying to do, the less I understand the structure of MPL and rivals and what their plan plan is for Wait, it. it so just gets if you do really well, you get removed from MPL. What? I so, think it's like they are they are trying to nerf uh, the best player. So <laughs> basically, yeah. like Strasky, like, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. So Strasky, oh, I still win it next year. Records? Let me remove you. Yeah, <laughs> Let me remove exactly. You. I, I think the reasoning, I guess, is like so that you are you're like it's like hey, you've essentially got buys. Buys into right? what? Like, though? Like, what, what is into the benefit of next year? <laughs> next year. Next so like you don't have to. You don't have to worry about like, hey, am I going to lose my spot? You're good. You're locked. But a whole year's worth of buys. So I, I, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> That's a long time. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, So essentially you got buys for a year, which Strasky. is... <laughs> Strasky is like, yeah, I, I got some time off. I'm going to like play some Hearthstone. I'm going to learn chess. Like, I don't got to play Magic for a while. <laughs> because he did so well. <laughs> Isn't he who that exactly who you want playing? Reward. Like, how do you build? How do you build right? stars if you don't have them play in your events because they're doing so well? <laughs> yeah, that makes zero sense. <laughs> like, <laughs> you've done so well this like you know regular season. You don't need to play the Super Bowl <laughs> or anything else. <laughs> oh, the, oh yeah, the more Seth explains it, the the, the less it makes sense. I, I like to go back to my I don't know anything that's going on with MPL, and it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so confusing. Yeah, like I, I didn't even. I'm well, learning as we go. Like right now, pros dude, or whatever, right? Let's go back to a simple. You play a regional qualifier, right? You you play a PTQ. You go to regional qualifiers, right? You 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 go to a pro tour. It's like it's very simple, right? Very grindable. You put in the time, you can show up, right? Or you can be Finkel and just show up and win anyway, right? Like MPL excludes people like Finkel because he does not want to use all his time playing magic right but he's good enough to just randomly show up practice for two weeks and then school some fools right so i, I don't know right like i just don't <laughs> dunk on everybody i don't understand what's going on but it's 
I've like just given up hope and it's like not even easy to understand what's going on, right? It's, it's, I don't even know like what the points are for and what the next event is and what's actually relevant, what's not relevant. It's just, it's just a big mess. I, I also, I, I feel pretty bad for Allie too. And it feels like, Maybe, maybe the, the way that wizards did discretionary invites kind of ended up backfiring because they wanted more representation, uh, in high level magic, which is awesome. But hearing Allie talk about it since, uh, getting relegated yesterday, from what she says, she feels like she was kind of just like tokenized and wizards were like, Hey, you're a pro magic player now. And then, didn't really give her any support. She tried to get on testing teams and couldn't get on to any testing teams. They wouldn't let her or whatever, didn't invite her. So she kind of feels, from what she's been saying on Twitter, like they just wanted a, a, a woman to be a pro, but didn't actually care if she, as a person, succeeded as a pro Magic player or do anything to help her succeed as a pro Magic player. So even that aspect of it, where Wizards is trying to do something positive and good, ends up somehow in a very wizardy way, like maybe backfiring and and hurting people rather than helping them. So just every single aspect of the MPL, like it's really hard to pick out any positives for anyone based on the feedback from all the people who have been involved in the league over the past, you know, couple of days since this tournament, as well as just the fact that the community doesn't really seem to care because no one watches it. So it's it's very hard to pick out any positives of this system from my perspective. It seems like it's just bad for pretty much everyone. I guess maybe if you are the top, you know, 0.001% and you're like making it to the top of MPL every year, you're guaranteed, you know, a salary, which is nice. But other than that, it seems like it's just hurting everyone. Well, I mean, you don't want to do too well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh boy, man! Imagine, imagine like drafting, like drafting, like how you would do fantasy football. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know if I want to draft the top running back right now because yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he might not be able to play because he's too good. Oh. Yeah, Ooh, I'm gonna need you to slow down that performance there, bud. I'm gonna need you to slow down that performance. Yeah, yeah. Strasky should have taken some intentional draws just to to stay in the league for longer so he could keep playing. Yeah, like, but I mean, like, yeah, so right now that is, that is the most important thing is like, what is the MPL? Year two, okay, first year, all right, sure, maybe, maybe I'll I'll give you, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt here. Year two, it just looks like more of year one, except with more people in it. And less people watching it. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's the worst. There's a lot more people like playing in it and a lot less people watching it. So they they need to turn this around, like, and if they, I don't even think it's salvageable, yeah. point, right? Like, I mean, uh, uh, like, like, where, like, what is the first thing that they would have to do? Just like, like, I guess before we change topics, what is the first thing they would have to do? Because it feels like they have to do so many things, and I think for me, it's just what, how do, how do I get in? Yeah, then, and that's not super clear. I think you can like spike a tournament which could get you to another tournament and then if you spike that tournament you could get into rivals or you could be invited based on criteria that's not really known like uh, there were some people uh, chris kvartek i think Kvartic? his name is yeah was someone yeah. who 
didn't technically qualify by the the ways that uh, you normally would, but did pretty good at tournaments or good enough at tournaments that they invited him. But even that's like just super confusing. I feel like the one aspect of the MPL that I do like is giving pros a stable income. Like, I think there is some value to that. The problem is I think you could do that and still have something similar to the old system where it it was very clear. Like, uh, couldn't you have done essentially the same thing by increasing benefits to like platinum pros and giving them a higher guaranteed income under the old system, but then still had an attainable system where someone could feel like, oh, I could go and like win this GP and then I go to a pro tour. And then if I do get at that pro tour, I qualify for more pro tours. Like that's pretty understandable compared to like this system where no one knows how to get into it. If you do too bad, you get kicked out of it and don't know how to get back into it. And if you do too good, they put you on the sidelines until the next year. Like, it just it doesn't make none of it makes any sense. Like, I, I don't even know if they should continue doing it, honestly. Like, I think I agree with you, Krim. Maybe they just need to rebuild from from the ground up and give it another shot. If they're not willing to just revert to something similar to the old system, like maybe they just go back to the drawing board and start over because I I don't know if the, the MPL is fixable. All right, I'll point. fix it for you. I'm legit. You. I'm legit worried. Like, I think that if this is like, if this doesn't work, there's a, there's like this looming thought over my head that they are just going to be done like that. Cause like, are they going to do it again? Right. Pro, Pro magic is such a, has been such a, a, a thing, like a debacle for them. Like, it's just such a mess, right. When it comes to whatever Pro magic is. And like, I mean, maybe they just cut it entirely. Yeah, I think they might conclude that, that no one concern. wants Pro magic. Right. But the, the answer is really no one wants right. this weird offering of pro magic you're giving us right like we still want to watch pro magic but not this but i think it's super easy to fix this right just throw away mpl right just just give it up go back to the old system where you have just large open tournaments like the pro tour or like grand prix which qualify you for the pro tour right and what you need to do is one change the timing of your tournaments so that they're a week after set release so that people actually care right nobody cares about high-level magic in a stale metagame. They only care when pros are innovating, and the only time they can innovate is like the first week of set release. After like four days, the metagame is already solved, right? There's just so many games. And then what they need to do is flatten the prize structure, right? As a pro, it is like impossible to win one of these big tournaments, right? It is like a coin flip. You'll never make it, right? But it is realistic to be like top 64, you can consistently hit like top X numbers. So they need to flatten the prize structure so that it's not as top heavy, right? You don't make all the money if you win or top eight, but like top 64 or something, something that's actually achievable gets a good payout such that you can actually keep going to Grand Prix and Pro Tours, consistently hit top 64, and then get the benefits you would have gotten from Platinum or whatever, right? So I think they just got to flatten it out a little bit so that it's more realistic and then go back to the old thing, right? I think right after set release, everyone is hype, everyone's watching, and then we get to know about our pros. But no one cares like six weeks after the last set release into the next preview season. Like no one cares about standard anymore. I I don't understand that that is definitely a big one. Like, yeah, like how are you going to call it, you know, Pro Tour, whatever, Mythic Championship, Calheim, like uh, four days before she (laughs) Right, so... I just, I just don't get that. Like, so, <laughs> you know, you know, what would be exciting would be early access day pro tour. Yeah. Like before the set releases, 
make them play with it. They don't have deck lists. There's no none of that. So like that would make for a pro tour that I would be so excited to watch. I'm sure some pros wouldn't like it because uh, it would be difficult and you probably wouldn't end up with as good of a deck as if you had more time and testing and list to deal with. But that would be a tournament that would be incredible. That would be like if the pros watch. just played Strixhaven right now, that would be incredible. Like block. No, like strict, or, no, like strict save and standard, oh, with, because they okay. they've had like a week with the cards previewed uh, to test and practice and build, and then they play now before all yeah. the data is solved on arena and moto and you know all the data aggregators and all of that. Right, we would actually see like different brews, not like homogenized <laughs> decks that we've seen like on say mdggoldfish.com, right, like. So I think Seth's idea of an actual early access for these premier level events is actually pretty cool. I mean, there was always an uh. SCG event on opening weekend. Yep. Right? So, I miss those. So I think that that's something, if not early access, just on the weekend of release on Arena, not paper release, that's when you can go ahead and just drop a tournament there too. So either early access or just weekend of, but no later than a week away or like a week after. Yeah. I mean, the metagame's already solved a week after, right? Like, no one cares anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, just give it to me as fresh as possible. Yeah. The sooner, the sooner, the better, I think. Uh, definitely the, like, six or eight weeks after a set release is the least appealing time. So, I think when it comes down to it, uh, this weekend just didn't go well in a bunch of ways. The structure is weird. The players had issues with it. Wizards PR was also definitely lacking so just about any way this could have went poorly it did go poorly and uh hopefully it turns around soon because i also have the the fear that crim does a little bit that at some point someone at wizards is just going to throw their hands up and be like well we're only getting seven thousand viewers this is a constant headache of people yelling at us at social media so you know why are we even doing this pro magic thing anymore let's just make more secret layers or sell more commander decks like that's where the money's at anyway so i i also have that fear and hope that that's not what happens so <sighs> anyway let's move on to uh another another fun topic that caused some uproar this week secret layer drops so uh, wizards sent around a survey to people about secret layer drops and specifically their interest in secret layer like subscription or membership model where you'd pay so much money and get these benefits. Richard, uh, what were they asking about in this survey? All right. This is spicy. So this is this is just a survey. So Wizards always sends out surveys asking you about random stuff. And this time it was a secret layer survey, uh, secret layer focused survey. They had, they were floating around two ideas. And one idea is a subscription where you agree to pay for and receive one of each secret layer drop. And uh, I think the professor did a video on this and he tallied in 2020, that was like almost a thousand dollars of secret layers. If you just count one premium version of each secret layer. And then they also floated a second idea of a membership program where you would pay X dollars where X was different for whoever took the survey. So some people had $200, some people had $300, but you would get the opportunity to purchase four exclusive member drops, get a 10% discount on all secret layer purchases, free shipping on all orders and orders ship the day of the sale. So some kind of 
agreement to buy all secret layers. And also if you pay extra money, you uh, also get to buy all the secret layers, but you get some perks such as exclusive drops and uh, a slight discount. But that discount doesn't work out too much, right? Because 10%, you would have to spend 3000 or $2,000 to break even. But in, you know, last year it was only $1,000 of secret layers. So yeah, some people are outraged. Some people are like, uh, you know, you don't have to buy this if you don't want it. Right. Uh, where do you guys fall on this, this new direction of secret layer that Wizards is playing around with? Right. This is this is they're asking. They're not doing it yet. Right. They're just they're just checking. They're, they're checking their feet in the water. Oh, so so I have a few a few thoughts on this one. So first off, um, I hope it's optional. I think if people have to pay money to access secret layers, that would be really bad. And I'm pretty firmly against exclusive layer drops. Uh, layer drops already are time limited. I really don't want them to uh, have to charge people so much money for the option to buy four exclusive layer drops a year. That system just seems really ripe for abuse, especially considering uh, there's no reason wizards couldn't print unique cards in those or do something like that. So I'm very firmly against any membership program, subscription program, ex uh, including exclusive drops. So that's my biggest thing. On the other hand, if Wizards wants to have Amazon Prime for secret layers, essentially, where you're like, you pay so much a year and you get faster shipping, you get free shipping and you get a discount. That doesn't bother me. If it's completely optional, you can still buy all the secret layers the way you have been doing them. To me, that seems perfectly fine. Would that matter to most people? No, probably not. Probably most people would still just, you know, pick up a layer here or there that they like. On the other hand, like shipping is $10, I believe, a drop. So if you're buying 20 drops a year or something, combining the shipping with the 10% discount, there would be some people who I think would actually benefit from a system like that. So as a completely optional Amazon Prime type program, I would not be offended by this as something that gives exclusive layer drops uh, or would be mandatory to access layer drops uh, that I would be pretty firmly against. Yeah, I, I'm worried about the a little bit of the uh, like what a, a, they could print something that's like actually, I don't know, legal in older formats, like more Ricks or something like that. Right. But however, as somebody who has bought a ton of secret layers, um, and like just loves promos. I, I think I, I would subscribe to a service like this. Cause I think all around I've, I've spent probably a lot on shipping. Cause like some of these drops are just, I'll just buy like one drop. Like I, I think the most recent one with it was like Inferno Titan and Grave Titan, like in Croxa, that drop. I, I only got that in like, I guess the fairies, but I didn't, well, surprise. I didn't get the Simic one. Uh, yeah. Like so like that, that. Something like that would be interesting. I think they're just doing this also as a way to kind of like tally earlier on so you don't have to wait as long for all your stuff. It's like, hey, all right, so we have people that are for sure going to buy some stuff. So we don't have to do this thing where they're made to order. Yeah, so I think I agree with Seth in like, you know, paying, agreeing to buy all the secret layers and getting a slight discount is okay. But having exclusive drops behind them is not Right. Because, you know, they, 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 they could just drop, you know, oh, here's secret lair fetch lands only for exclusive members. Or here is, 
Uh, the new Lord of the Rings secret lair, only for exclusive members, containing uh, vintage all-star, whatever the heck this new card is, right? And I think that becomes a big problem. And I think just this whole notion of secret lair is becoming problematic. People are already salty about secret lair, and I think they're just doubling down on it, right? Like, remember when secret lairs first came out, we're like, what about LGSs? Wizards is just selling cards directly. And then they released like a billion secret layers and now they're trying to like go further down it. So I don't like this and I don't buy the argument of like, if you don't like it, don't participate uh, because I feel like psychologically it'll still affect you, right? If I gave Seth a thousand dollars for free, Seth would be ecstatic, right? Like, oh, thanks. Thanks for the thousand dollars. But if he turned around and learned that I gave Krim two thousand dollars, he would be very upset all of a sudden, <laughs> right? Even though he just got a thousand dollars for free, he just knows that Krim got 2000 He's like, yo, what's up, man, right? And I feel that's what you're kind of creating with this kind of exclusivity. Like, players may not be able to afford it, but if they know it exists out there, they'll feel bad. So I, I don't know. I just don't like where all this is going. I, I think secret layers are okay, but, like, it's just it's just so confusing now. There's just so many promos. We have so many and if we have so many, are they still special? Like, do you care about the new secret layers or do you care about the new mystical archives? Or do you care about uh, the extended border cards, right? Or do you care about etch foils, right? I don't know. There's like so many cards now. It's a little confusing. And this is just extracting more money out of the existing player base. I'd rather see Wizards expanding their product line to get new players, right? Wizards needs to double their revenue. Fine. But grab new players. Stop trying to like squeeze more money out of my pockets, right? Like I already pay so much to play this game. Like get new players, make them pay some money, right? Like stop going after me, right? I don't need more shiny, shiny promos, right? Like I don't know. So do you think this will happen? <laughs> I mean, it's just a survey, but I kind of feel like they had so much information and had thought it out so much that I got the impression that they're probably planning on doing this and just like trying to figure out the details of it it seems unlikely to me that they would have you know price points and all these benefits and stuff figured out if it was just like hey what if there was a secret layer membership would you be interested yes or no that okay sure who knows what'll happen i expect that this is going to happen in one form or another yeah i think it's happening in one form or another i, I think all this is saying is like fomo works right the fear of missing out exclusivity paying premium prices have made them like money like hand over fist so they are trying to figure out how to do more of that uh and we've already seen it with like you know like standard products right now we have mystical archives we have mystical archives in two languages we have etched foils like they, they just keep trying to figure out like how to make things more exclusive and how to get more money out of these things and how to charge more for for these cards so i think secret layers will change in the future Remember, we saw that, you know, the the uh, Walking Dead It's like, OK, that was like a, a brand crossover and that was new, unique cards. Right. That was a new thing they pushed in a secret layer. I expect like more new things to happen this year and next year. And that will definitely drive yeah. people to the subscription service. Just like what if. Right. So, yeah, I mean, like Krim, Krim's already going to buy it. Right. Like it, it's like we, we complain about this, but like this is great for Krim, right? As a consumer, he buys all the secret layers anyway. Yeah, I, I right? pretty much so, buy all the secret layers. So I would love it. I, I don't buy main set as much 
Because I just get secret layers. I like promos, and I don't really care about everything else. I just get and secrets. Crim's opinion is the only one that matters because he's the one buying secret layers. <laughs> like me and Seth, we don't buy secret layers, so the fact that we don't like it doesn't even matter, right? Like we don't do anything, right? But Crim buys all the secret layers, so his opinion matters, and he would buy the service. So based on that, I do think it's going forward, right? Like if you bought all the secret layers, you would love this, right? I just hope they don't do exclusive drops. Do do what you got to do. I'm fine with it. Just. Uh, don't do the exclusive drop thing either they, they they can go wrong in two ways either they can print the next walking dead exclusive card and have it break vintage or they can sucker a bunch of people into paying two three hundred dollars with these exclusive drops being the big payoff and then have it be you know a bunch of basic lands or something that well, people it's are actually storm. excited <laughs> <for what you want. laughs> comet yes tree of redemption comet storm <laughs> It's Oko. Master sets all Go stars. Krim. Yeah, you get exclusive Oko and Uro. It's called Secret Lair Simic. It's Secret Lair Salty is what I would just call that. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Any other Secret Lair thoughts or uh, should we hit up some Commander cards? All right. All right let's, uh, let's Commander it. Let, let's, let's hit up Commander. So this past week, we got all of the uh, sets, uh, not sets, the pre-con decks for Commander 2021. And included in those decks are the new cards. So we're going to talk about some of the more interesting cards, but the full decks and themes are on the website, MTG Previews. And we also, uh, the Commander Clash crew, did the Quandrix deck. So we're not going to talk about any of the Quandrix cards here. If you want to know about the Quandrix cards, you can actually check out the uh, Commander Clash podcast where uh, we're joined by Tomer and we talk about all the cards uh, in depth. So... First off, uh, this is my card that I chose. Uh, and I think this is interesting because it's mono white card draw and it's Archaeomancer's map. Uh, it's two and a white. It's an artifact at rare. When it enters the battlefield, search your library for up to two basic planes, reveal them and put them into your hand, then shuffle. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, if that player controls more lands than you, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. Is this card good? I, I already had a discussion with Tomer about this. <laughs> I, I feel like, so, like Tomer didn't like this. Tomer likes really? it. Tomer thinks this is the best card in the set, or one of the best. And I think it's like severely overrated. <laughs> Oh, oh, thank goodness. I thought I was the only oh, yeah. one. This is the card that when I did the spoiler video, I was like, eh, I don't think this card's, you know, it's very good. It's like a bad burgeoning, you know, it doesn't really do all that much. You got to be behind and then it only ramps you a little bit. And everyone was like, you are so wrong. This is the best card. It's the white cultivate. This card is so amazing. So I, I don't see it. I don't see this as a card that I would just auto include in every white deck, but Apparently everyone else does. So maybe maybe I'm the one that's missing it in this case. I I don't. I don't think this nor do I think what is it? Monologue tax. <laughs> I don't think this card this card is that. That's my next card. <laughs> <laughs> I think these two are just do nothings. <laughs> like I just in in commander and what you can do in commander, these don't feel like they do much of anything. Monologue tax, it doesn't do anything. Archaeomancer's map. I it, <sighs> It doesn't even put a land, like, okay, so Archaeomancer's map enters the battlefield, search your library for up to two basic planes cards, reveal them, put them in your hand. 
Hold on, what? So not a single one of these go onto the battlefield. Unless whenever a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, if the player controls more lands than you, you may put a land card from your hand on the battlefield. Yeah, like, I don't know, this 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 seems not good. This just doesn't do anything. Yeah. So I, I okay, so I think this is bad. And I will play this in every white deck for the rest of the season until I get fed up with it and remove it, just to make sure that my opinion of it is correct, right? But it is not three mana divination or three mana cultivate, right? Because a divination, late game, you can draw into gas, right? This thing just draws you into more planes, which is probably like not what you're wanting out of your card draw. And early game, you need to play this on curve and you need to hope someone is ahead of you to actually ramp. I've had so many games with mono white where I'm playing conditional ramp and it doesn't ramp me because I went first or there's no green player, right? In the ideal situation, you play this green player explosive vegetations, you win, right? Like you, 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 you've managed to live the dream scenario, but a lot of times you're the one in charge. You're winning. You know, you, you, you maybe, uh, have done something and are ahead, and then this does nothing for you. This just puts you behind, right? You just lost the card, right? I do think you can build around this card if you have artifact synergies, right? If you play things like Lotus Field to somehow reduce your lands, right? This could work, but I think it's too conditional that it's like an okay card, not, you know, great. And I don't think I want to put this in every deck. But I will just to try it to make sure I'm not could, wrong. Could could this uh, just say? Yeah, I think it's severely overrated. Could this just say a planes card? Would that make it better? Like if it got you, you can get dual lands or something. I think Wizards think this is really good, so they had to like tone down the power level. <laughs> I think they think it's pretty good. You don't want to get like Sacred two dual Foundry. lands. That, that'd be too good. <laughs> I don't. I guess you could get cycling lands would that would help. You could turn it into real card draw in the late game, but I don't think it would be too good. And the other mode is burgeoning for three mana instead of one mana. And burgeoning isn't even like a staple ramp spell. And that doesn't have the restriction that you got to be behind on lands. It's just whenever your opponents play a land, you put a land into play. And that isn't something that most decks play. That's something that shows up in like Azusa decks or other extra land drop style decks. So I feel like the the basis or foundation of this card isn't even that strong to begin with really it's a it's another card that green just does so much better <laughs> well i mean yeah. that's a high bar you, you can't you can't top that you know anything green does all right uh next up we Kim already alluded to this monologue tax two no white enchantment whenever an opponent casts their second spell each turn you create a treasure token <laughs> is this smothering tithe is this fixed smothering tithe? Is this even playable? No, it is It is no across the board. No, it's not smothering tithe. No, it's not playable. Uh, like, this is just going to be, I'm going to pay three. Like, y- you get the storm player, I guess. Here, have a treasure token. I'm still going off. Right? Like, like <laughs> I, I don't see how this is even remotely playable. This card is really bad. It's just three mana actually Ooh. Oh my god! I don't even know what you what this does. There's no there's no reason to ever have it. I I don't know. I just would rather have a board wipe or something. It's just like in place of this. I'd rather have a creature, anything, card draw spell that new draw three and your opponent draws three. I would take that over this. <laughs> All right. So I I think Grim's a little bit too low on this card. Is it smothering tithe? No, it's not smothering tithe. It's not. Super close to Smothering Tithe, Fix Smothering Tithe. 
I think I could buy Smick's uh, fixed smothering tithe. On the other hand, I think this card's playable. I think that players are not going to not cast two spells in a turn because this is on the battlefield. And it's only three mana. I don't think you have to make, you know, 20 treasure tokens for this to be worthwhile. I think that over the course of a game, if you can play this on turn three, you're going to make plenty of treasure tokens to make it worth it. So I actually think this can be a staple of white decks, but I do think it is way worse than Smothering Tithe. I do think it's way better than uh, the last card we talked about, though. If I was going to choose a a three-mana white ram spell, it would definitely be this one. <laughs> I would agree with Karim. I, I would take... <laughs> this card is unplayable. I think I'd take Archaeomancer's <laughs> map over this. <laughs> I, I, would take, I think I would take the map over this, actually, because the map has high upside. Right, where if you go after the cultivate player, you actually did something useful. This is no way, right? Because it's three mana. You're like, are you expecting your opponent to double spell on turn three? Like, you know, they they may not, right? And are all three opponents? You're not going to come out mana positive for a long time. And by the time you come out mana positive, it's like you don't need mana anymore. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, if this was in my hand. And it, let's say this was a companion card, right? Like it was somehow in my hand for free on turn three. I wouldn't cast it. It's a waste of mana. I would cast like a bird, <laughs> right? Like I'm just going down three, three birds mana even. to maybe come back a mana when I when I come back around, right? So, and I, I think I, it's not that playable yeah. unless you have a specific reason, like you know, there's a specific combo or something. But I don't think it's that. The, like, like I wouldn't, and I definitely oh. wouldn't want to draw this in the late game, right? Because like I, this just does a lot of nothing in the late game. So there's just no part of the game where I want to see this, really. The only reason I'm playing this is because I like the artwork, maybe. All right, hang on. Hang on. Since, we're, since we're talking treasures, what do you think of a Tempting Contract? Which one is that again? There's so many cards uh, this hold season. On, let, let me, let me pull it up. That's actually on our list. Oh, this is the four-mana artifact. At the beginning of your upkeep, each opponent may create a treasure token. For each opponent who does, you create a treasure token. I I, so, I would play this over over th- that. But I would this this it's one better, but still does, bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it does, it's sorry. Let me. It's not good. <laughs> it does literally nothing though. Uh, if if your three opponents, which I mean, it's commander, so it's probably not going to happen. But if your three opponents agree to just pretend like this card doesn't exist, it does literally nothing. The question is, can you get three commander players to agree to that? Because I feel like this is a card that even though it could do literally nothing is actually going to make you a lot of treasures because I, you're going to have the one person that does it. You're going to have the one person that refuses to pay for any triggers or say no to anything. And then you're going to have the spite person who got mad that the first person took a treasure when they didn't really need the treasure. I think it's just going to end up making you three treasures a turn (laughs) because of how politics work. Let's say it makes you two treasures. Like let's say Tomer's at the table and he like refuses and then you get two treasures, your opponents get two treasures. Is this even worth spending four mana for? Uh, it's like smothering no. tithe, except your opponent's getting like treasures <laughs> randomly, right? I, I think it's I think it's pretty bad, but I actually just love the political aspects of it. This is one of my like favorite cards from all of Commander 21. Uh, but I do think that it's pretty bad. And I'd, I'd rather play Thran Dynamo, right? Like like <laughs> you, know, you want ramp, just play some like ramp that actually works rather than hoping people ramp you, but when they ramp you, they're getting ahead and they know it. So they're willing to make that trade off, right? You're just paying I, mana I, for them. 
you know this is how it's gonna go. It's like, like Seth's just always gonna give himself a treasure. If someone plays with oh, yeah. Seth, it's like, oh yeah, it's the reverse of the pay one. Did I get one? <laughs> nice. All right. <laughs> yeah. Even if I don't need the man, I'm taking it. <laughs> Hell bent. I have a Zendikar resurgent. Whatever. Still, yeah, give me that treasure. <laughs> it's the same reason Howling Mine is bad, and you don't auto include it in every deck because you're giving your opponent's three card, and you get one. Right here, I guess you're getting you're only getting the same number of treasures back. So maybe it's okay. It's, it's better than the <laughs> enchantment we just saw talked about. So I would take this over okay, maybe Archaeomancer's map or whatever is still better than this. No, I think this is the best one. No. Actually this is so this far. is Yeah. <laughs> uh okay. Next up we have Ink Shield. Three white black instant. Prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to you this turn. For each one damage prevented, create a 2-1 white and black inkling creature token with flying. This this is absolutely wild, right? Like, this this is whatever spider, the spider fog, but, like, I think this can actually kill you. This is right? insane, like, right? You, you prevent, right, like, yeah. 30 damage. You make 32 ones, right? You make, like, 60 that fly, They fly, by the way. Once again, they fly. It's... It's like deflecting palm a little bit. Like yeah. someone attacks you and you do this and you hopefully get enough tokens that you just attack them back for lethal and they die instead of you dying. I, I think his cards just power level wise got to be one of the strongest in the set. I guess like, yeah, this leaving this up five so mana might be a little bit awkward in some decks, but wow, the power level is insane. Also imagine that you get anointed procession on board and somebody attacks you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, sign me I up. Just, I just love that you can blame them. Like someone attacks you and you like cast this. And then when you untap and go to kill them with the flyers, you're like, yeah, like you shouldn't have attacked me. That's on, this is not my fault. You did this to yourself. Like that's, yeah. that's on you that you're dying right now. You could attack someone else. <laughs> yeah, I like, oh, this is such a good card. I love this card. Oh my God. It does every, I, ah, it's so cool. Artwork and everything. This is just a home run for me. There, it, it's a, there's nothing more for me to really say other than like this is just a fun card. And like you had mentioned, just you're why you're dying and potentially more. <laughs> I, I actually, so I, this card is really strong, but I hate this design. I hate this design. It like prevents combat. It's like playing a, I, I don't know, like you, you need a counter spell, right? Like there's no, you, there's no counterplay to this. Your counterplay is like, oh, I'm not going to attack my opponent. Otherwise, how are you going to kill him, right? The, the only counterplay is you attack into this and then you counter the ink shield. So I actually really dislike this card in terms of what it does to the game. The two dirtling players love the card. The one <laughs> aggressive player hates you the card. You, <laughs> you have to counter spell it, right? I guess you could attack with one. No, you can't, right? You can't even attack with like one creature. You can't do anything, right? You, uh, this, you just have this, to deal no damage, which does not progress the game, right? This card is obviously like, oh yeah, like, cause like, you know, I would say that it, it would be not as bad if it were just like, oh, well, you only get one, two, one, cause it's only for every creature attacking, but it's for yeah. every one it's damage. Damaged. So one big Voltron creature could still get bodied by this. Yeah. Yeah, that's. That's the biggest difference between this and Spider Fog. Uh, the yeah. Spider Fog gives you one for each attacking creature that's attacking you. This is for each damage, which is insane. Just commander gets creatures are huge. Like, it's not uncommon for a random commander attack to be at least 10 damage. Uh, and then you're, like, trying to block in or prevent it. And, uh, like, this is going to make so many tokens. This is one of the best token producers I think we've ever seen. Like, even discounting yeah. the Fog and killing people... 
Like, you're going to be making easily 20 power worth of flyers for five mana with this pretty consistently. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pretty much going to let you all know this now. If I play black and white, this is going in every deck. Like, yeah, I mean, it can be settle just... the wreckage. We don't know what's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there's no way to attack into open white mana now or white and black I, mana. I, I kind of like this. <laughs> I, you know, says the Esper Super Friends player, but like, yeah, like I, I really like this and I like having settled the wreckage up all and like, you know, evacuation. There's so many instant speed shenanigans now that you could do that would wipe a board. Or the only answer is to play stacks to make sure you don't have untapped mana. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because you can't counter anything unless you're blue. So the only way to stop these things is to literally play stacks and prevent your mana. <laughs> All right, next up, we have Felisa Fang of Silver Quill, two white and a black, three, two legendary creature, vampire wizard, flying mentor. When a non-token creature you control dies, if it had counters on it, create X two one, uh, create X tapped two one, white and black inkling creature tokens of flying, where X is the number of counters it had on it. This, this seems amazing, right? Like as a commander, this just, this is so powerful. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Marchesa, a little bit, how you get the the benefit from your creature dying and it puts counters on your stuff. So it kind of reminds me of like Orzov Marchesa, except uh, this can definitely make a ton of power as well because it triggers off the number of plus one, plus one counters. Imagine you're like, whatever, Stone Coil Serpent or something sac- being sacrificed with this out. You're just going to make a ridiculous board full of flyers. So yeah, I think this is a, a pretty powerful commander. And I kind of like it. Like, we have a lot of token synergies in white and black. White, black tokens is kind of a thing. We don't have a lot of plus one, plus one counter synergies. So it's kind of that aspect of it is kind of kind of a new archetype to Commander uh, as far as Orzov plus one, plus one counters. Ah, hanger back walker. Walking ballista. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fun things you could be doing here. It has mentor for some reason. Uh, that's a weird, weird keyword I didn't expect on this. But it's a vampire. And vampires love plus one, plus one tokens, too. So you can make some pretty sweet decks with this. Uh, next up, Pest Infestation. Uh, XX Green Sorcery. Destroy up to X target artifacts and or enchantments. Create twice X11 black and green pest creature tokens with when this creature dies, you gain one life. I feel- uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This sorry, was your sorry, card. Like, yeah, I was like, hold on, what's the name of that card again? <laughs> yeah, like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah, though, no, this, this seems amazing. Yeah, like this just now you can once again get a board just for killing a bunch of stuff you're going to, well, kill anyways. Like this, this is amazing. Green now has a mass way to just pick off more artifacts and enchantments and just creates pests. I, I think like this is something I already was going to do, right? I was going to try to kill artifacts and enchantments and I'm going to get rewarded by having a bunch of bodies. Yeah, I feel like it actually scales pretty well. I think I don't know if I would play this in a just a, a generic deck, like a generic green deck, because green is pretty good at blowing up artifacts and enchantments. So uh, there's a lot of options. On the other hand, if I have token synergies, then I think this card's actually really good because you get twice X tokens and actually scales like secure the way. So like if you like cast this for nine mana, you blow up for artifacts and enchantments, you're going to end up with eight one one tokens. That's really like efficient for a token producer. So, so yeah, I don't know if I would just play this as artifact and enchantment removal, but if I'm playing a token deck, I feel like this is going to be one of my go-to options for removal plus token creation. Yeah, I think 
if you want tokens. Like this with the skull clamp is insane. Uh, but the rate is like pretty bad if you don't want the tokens, right? Like five mana kill two artifacts or enchantments. I guess that's okay. That's not like horrendous, but that's, that's not cheap either. So you really do need the one, one, uh, creature tokens. And then, you know, if you get to skull clamp them or you're playing like an aristocrats type thing, or you just pump them like a coat of arms would kill someone right off of that. Uh, that'd be pretty sweet. You have doubling season. Obviously this becomes even crazier. Uh, so yeah, I think it's actually pretty sweet. The art is pretty cool. Uh, so, so yeah, it is sorcery speed though. No instant speed shenanigans. If this were instant, I think this would be just too good, right? It would just literally be like secure the waste. <laughs> right? Yeah, it, outside, would, right? it would be insane. Uh, okay. So that's all the time we have for previews this week since we went long on the other topics. We'll hold off fish mail until next week when things calm down and then we can get to your questions. Uh, but yeah, so that is all the previews. Be sure to check them out on mtgpreviews.com. We have all five deck lists with all the new cards so you can see uh, which deck is to your liking. Uh, okay, quick, quick on the way out. What is your favorite deck of the five decks, each of us? I I actually like this. I th- Okay, it's kind of weird to say this, but I think I like the Simic one. Uh, the Quandrix and then, one. <laughs> or yeah, sorry, the Quandrix one or Silver Quill. I like Ooh. Silver Quill does not look like much at first, but I think it does a lot of cool things uh, from the silver. Like f- there's some cards we didn't even get to go over, right? Like there's still just a lot of things in Silver Quill that just look fun. Uh, they're not wild. You know, I'm not making like a thousand tokens or anything like that. I'm not copying all my spells, but it does look fun. I got to go Lorehold slash Boros like it has Asgir, which is my favorite legend from the set. And I feel like it's a really unique take on Boros. Like, it, it still feels Boros-y and has the artifact theme, has some aggro themes. But it does it in a, a unique way where you have a, this artifact creature matter stuff. You have some grindy, like, reanimation value artifact synergies going on. So I really like the Lorehold deck. I think I agree with both of you. <laughs> I, I, Lorehold is number one. Number two is Quandrix. Uh, I just like the artifact creature theme that it has going on. And it also, even though a lot of the cards, we talked about the mono white cards, we kind of said they were bad or I said they were bad. It's still interesting uh, to play with to see if they're actually good or not. And then they actually have some cards I think are actually good in the set. And it's mono white Boros colors. I like white now, apparently. So yeah, I'll, I'll play. <laughs> I'll play the white deck. <laughs> And on that note, I believe that brings us to the end of episode 324 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes down in the world of magic. So, until then, have an amazing week, everyone. And this is a crew signing out. Bye.